some things are just incompatible with uh, each other. If I decided that I went to go and spend some of my money, for example, on the latest technological gadget, I cannot also save that money. The two things are incompatible. Likewise, if I want to decide that I'm going to go out for a morning in the park, um, but I also want to have a morning at home, I cannot do both of those things unless I have a very, very big house that has its own personal park as a part of it. The two options are incompatible. When we find ourselves in situations like this, we have to make a decision. Which option will we pursue? You can't have the best of both worlds. In other words, you can't have both your cake and eat it. Often in life, we will all face situations where, in one way or another, we have to make a decision. You may have received two job offers and you've had to decide which one you will accept. Maybe you've had to decide what you're going to have for dinner that evening, or maybe where you will go out for a family day out on the weekend. We all face decisions of different degrees of significance, and some things we will have to choose over something else. But today as we look at this passage together, James tells us of the ultimate decision that we have to make. A decision where we have to decide one way or the other. There is no middle ground. But this decision is much more important about what, than what we're going to have for dinner this evening or what, what uh, career even we're going to pursue. The decision that James lays before us will affect every part of our lives and our relationship with God. And it goes to the very heart of who we are as individuals. And so this morning we're going to take a few moments to think about this decision and how we might respond as we uh, decide how, what response we're going to make. And the first thing that we need to recognise is that there is a battleground that we all fight on. A battleground where our de- for our desires and for our priorities. Our priorities are formed by the desires of our hearts. But these desires can so easily cause conflict and division as we stand and fight for these desires to be fulfilled in our lives. If you have been around church for long enough, in fact, if you've been around any group of people for long enough, you will know what it's like to be on the battleground of desire. Different people, all with different opinions, wanting to see their desires fulfilled. James tackles this issue head on as he calls out the divisions and the quarrels in the church. These divisions are ultimately, he says, caused by people's personal desires and their own individual motivations. They are not shaped by God, they're not shaped by what he wants, but by our own instincts and our own self-interest. It's important to recognise here that James is not addressing just one specific situation as if this was only an issue for one group of people. 
James was writing this letter to a whole cross-section of churches. James clearly saw that maintaining unity and healthy relationships was an issue that every church was facing. James recognised that everyone would know what it's like to be on the battleground of desire. They say if you put five church members in a room, you'll get at least six different opinions. But even if just two people come, each with their own different opinion, I'm sure we can all understand how we and recognise the tension and the conflict that can so easily arise. Our opinions are personal to us. Our opinions demonstrate the way that we see the world at work. Our opinions are a reflection of what we are invested in, a reflection of our humanity and the way that the world has shaped us. But no matter how good or worthy we might think our opinions are, James warns us that God is not defined by what we think. God is not defined by our opinions. In verse 3, he tells us that even our prayers are affected by the desires of our motiva- and our motivation behind them. Throughout the Bible, God longs for us to turn to him, to ask him for things. God even promises to give to us according to our need, if only we would ask him. But James reminds us of an important caveat and that, is that we, uh, and that is that we need to consider what is the desire, what is the motivation behind our prayer. Is your prayer based on your desire or rooted in God's desire? And more often than not, our desires are not what God desires. I might wish to be a millionaire. I might pray faithfully night after night for, uh, that I want to be a millionaire. Um, but God tells us that you can't worship both God and money. So I shouldn't be surprised if God doesn't answer my prayer to be a millionaire. God still heard my prayer, but my motive behind the prayer is not necessarily rooted in who God has called me to be. And so my prayer remains unanswered. I'm sure that you know what it's like to be on the battleground of desire. I certainly know that I do. I'm sure that we can all think of one friendship or one relationship which has been soured or that we don't find easy because our different personal desires have crossed paths and there is a conflict that has arisen as a result. Maybe some of us today can remember being in meetings, even church meetings. This isn't, the church isn't exempt from this, where different desires have been expressed And as a result, conflict has arisen. Maybe some of us today are even struggling in our faith because our desires or the desires of our hearts have not been fulfilled. And to make things even worse, even though you pray, you're still not seeing any breakthrough. We need to recognise the unhealthy power of our own personal desires and motivations. 
We've got to recognise the power that they have to cause conflict and disruption. Today we can take, can we take a moment to step back from the battlefield of desires? Let's step back from competing for what we want to see. Let's take a moment to seek and to hold what we want more lightly. Let's pause and reassess our motives and what it is that is driving our desires, that we might see less conflict and uh, less disruption, less arguments, less quarrelling as the people of God as, and, and unite around God's desires rather than our own desires. May we be a people that step back off the battlefield of desire and ensure that our own desires never distract us from pursuing God's desire. And as we step back from the battlefield of desire and we assess our priorities, James highlights the need for us to make a decision and to choose a cause. Ultimately, the choice we have is whether or not we want to choose to step out onto the battlefield of our own desires and fight for the things that we want to see uh, and the world wants to see as in, uh, happen in our world or whether we choose to step back and instead unite around the desires that God wants us to prioritise instead. In verse 4, James is quite clear in telling us that we have a decision to make one way or the other. We cannot fight the battle from bo- for both sides. We cannot uh, want what the world wants and what God wants. God's desires are not compatible with the ways of the world. Our world is not as God created it to be. We see throughout the world our sinfulness and how we do not live as God intended us to. Our world is full of injustice, inequality, greed and selfish desire. These are the ways of our world. Our humanity is not just. Our humanity is naturally selfish. There is no way that we can choose to desire these things of the world and also desire God. They are incompatible with each other. And it's important to recognise here too how even when we see God's desire, what we see as God's desire can be shaped by our own desires. We are products of our world The way we see, the way we think is influenced by the world around us. We need to be really careful that our own human desires don't impact God's desires. For example, I want to see see our church grow and flourish and be a source of hope and life in this community and in this world. This is my desire, and I believe it's also God's desire. But that desire of, my, uh, of mine to see the church succeed could also be driven by my worldly desires. It could be driven by my desire to be seen as a good minister. It could be driven by my desire to be seen to be doing a good job. 
It could be dis- driven by my desire to have more influence uh, and to speak to a larger group of people on a Sunday morning. I hope that none of these things are my de- overwhelming desire, but I have to regularly check my motive. Why is this so important to me? Why do I want the church to grow and to flourish and to be a beacon of hope and life? Our human desires are often incompatible with God's desires. In verse 5, James tells us that the spirit that God caused to dwell within us, in other words, the Holy Spirit, is envious when we choose not to live for God. Again, highlighting how God's way and the world's way are incompatible with each other. If we choose to pursue and desire the things of our world, In that moment, we also turn our backs on God and we ignore the spirit of God that is living and working within us. And so this morning, we need to choose a cause. What cause will you stand for? What will define the desires of your heart? This morning, can I invite you to choose a cause And choose not to just follow the ways of the world and the things that you desire, but to instead lay down your desires and instead pursue God's desire for your life. Each day as a church, we encourage one another to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And today, can we just take a moment to dwell on just one line of that prayer? Are you willing to pray, your will be done? on earth as it is in heaven. This is a painful prayer. Jesus knew how hard it is to pray this prayer right before he went to the cross to die for us, that we might have hope, that we might have life. Jesus prayed, but God, not my will, but your will be done. As he looked to the cross, he didn't want to go to the cross, but he said, God, this be your will, not my will be done. Choosing a cause can be painful, it can be uncomfortable, it can go against every natural human instinct in our bodies and that's exactly the point. God has so much more for you than you desire to see for yourself. The Bible tells us that God came to, uh, gives us life in all its fullness The problem is that in our world, we struggle to see the fullness and the goodness that God wants to bless us with because we're blinded by our own human perspective and desire. And so this morning, can I take a moment to invite you to join me in laying down your desires and to again choose a cause that is committed to going God's way and declaring together, God, it's not my will, but your will that I want to be done in my life. And as we pray this prayer, and as we choose a side, this decision must affect the way that we live. 
And if we're to step off the battleground of fighting for our own desires and instead to unite and pursue God's desires in our life and pray, God, this is your will that we want to see, then we need to be magnetic. Let me read verses 7 to 8 of James chapter 4 to us again. James tells us, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. As I read and reflected on this passage, I was struck by the image of a magnet. A magnet has two poles, each with a different charge. And so if you have a magnet and you put one end close to some metal, it will attract it and it will draw, not only will it draw close to the magnet, but the, the, or the metal, but the metal will draw close to the magnet. And if you turn the magnet around to the other pole, it will repel and push away rather than attract. And James here is encouraging us not only to choose to follow God's desires, but he wants us to be magnetic. He tells us to draw near to God, but not only do we draw near to God, as we draw near to God, God will also draw near to us, just like a magnet as attracts metal. So God will draw near to us as we draw near to him. But on the other pole, James encourages us to also resist and repel the devil. In other words, anything that is not of God, even many of our own natural human desires, we need to resist and push away. But here there's a wonderful truth and an encouragement that James is telling us. As we resist, as we repel the things that God does not want us to embrace in our lives, these things don't keep coming back to us because they're tempting us to get, uh, and, and once they will eventually get to us. If we are able to resist, if we're able to repel these things, James tells us that the devil will not pursue us, but he will flee from you. You will, as, as we resist the devil, he, ter- he in turn is repelled from us. So this week, as we go into the world to live for Jesus, may we not only choose a cause, may we not only declare to go God's way, but may we also be magnetic. May we, yes, repel the evil one, repel the ways of the world that God does not want us to live for. Um, and know that as we do so, that we, as we resist the devil and all, all the, and the evil one will flee from us. But as we repel these things, may we also draw near to God. And as we draw near to God, may we also know that he at the same time comes close to us. And may we know his presence drawing closer into our lives this week as we choose to focus and set our desires not on what we want, but on what God wants. We all have a decision to make. We will, what will we this week desire in our lives? Will we desire the ways of the world and engage in the battlefield of fighting to see our own desires fulfilled above everyone else's? Or will we choose a different course? 
And will we instead submit ourselves humbly to God and pursue his desire? We have to choose one way or the other. We cannot do both. But we can know with confidence that if we choose God, he will draw near to us as we choose to pursue his desire for our lives. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for that truth, that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And Lord, we once again acknowledge and recognise our own desires, our own ambitions, our own humanity. And Lord, we're sorry for the times where our selfish ambition, our selfish desire has distracted us from who you are calling us to be, from the disruption and the, uh, and the arguments that it has caused. And Lord, we pray for your forgiveness. Lord God, we pray that we would get, that you would help us as we pray that prayer, that Lord, this is not what we want. It's not about our will, but it's your will that we want to see done in our, in our lives And Lord, we pray that we would surrender our own desires over to you. Lord, help us to loosen our grips on the things that we are holding tightly to, that we might instead be able to hold on to you. Lord, we open ourselves to you again now. Come by your spirit and live within us. May you draw close to us as we draw close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.